Hey, I'm lead pastor Noel Petras, and welcome to the Exeter Valley Church podcast. Our church plant started in 2021 with the goal of seeing God's kingdom extended in our hometown. If you're curious about Jesus, looking for a home in the family of God, or feel called to be a part of a kingdom expansion in Exeter, California, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. in the Veterans Memorial Building at 324 North Cahuilla Avenue. For more information, head on over to www.exetervalleychurch.com or find us on social media. Thanks for listening. I wanted to speak this morning. I've been thinking a lot about uh, not how to start things, but but how to finish well. I think that's probably what happens in in midlife. As you start to think, I've been doing this for 20 years. How am I going to do it for another 20 years? How am I going to finish strong? And so I want to talk about being a person of perseverance, a person who doesn't quit in the dip. Subtitle to the sermon, we are not of those who shrink back. We are of those who believe and are saved so that we can see through the things that we've decided to do, maybe just at the beginning of the year, but more importantly, uh, just the race that's been marked out for us uh, by God. So I have um, confession. I thought what Megan shared was amazing in terms of a confession. I think often we think those ways about prayer, but no one ever says those things. So thanks for saying those things. I'd like to say some things too. Um, since I've got the mic, when I was five, no. Um, so I've always been better at starting things than sustaining things. I've always been more of a sprinter than a long distance runner although that is a metaphor and I am neither of those things. <laughs> Some would describe me as a sprinter. No, no one's ever described me as a sprinter. But I think you know what I'm saying. I've always been stronger out of the gates, and I've stumbled somewhere along the way. Um, I remember meeting with uh, Doug. Doug was one of the elders. I I surrendered to Jesus at, uh, as Lord at, at 18, and I, I had a pretty radical conversion. I was really zealous for Jesus, and, and that zeal landed me in the pastor's office. One of the, one of the pastors of the church I belonged to, uh, his name was Doug, and he sat me down, and I remember this so vividly. I think I'm at this point 19 years old, and I'm serving the youth group, and Doug sits down with me, and like an elder is supposed to do, elder, that word originally means gray hair. And like anyone with gray hair, they sat me down and, and Doug says, hey, Travis, we love that you're passionate and we love that you have vision, but your vision seems to change with your underwear. It's, it's etched in my, I'm glad you guys think it's funny. It's, it's, it's etched in my head and it's come up in counseling a couple of times, but so, so yeah, I mean, first of all, harsh. Like, that's really, that's really harsh, Doug. Second of all, I think Doug was making a huge mistake by assuming that any 20-year-old actually changes their underwear or wears it. And I wish, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten a comeback like two weeks too late. 
you know, and you're like, man, if I had that one again, like this, this is what I would say to Doug. And I, I wish I had it back. Cause that's what I would say. I'd be, that's where you're wrong, Doug. I don't change my underwear. You know, like that's, that's what I wish I would have said. I didn't. Third, I would say that the reason it hurt and the reason that things typically sting is because Doug was right. That was true of me. I was pretty excited about one thing and then I would quickly move on to the next. And he was trying to, I think, tame my off-road extremes and try to get me pulling in the same direction for a long time. And so, yeah, this is always, this has also always been paired with the fact that I'm really a sensitive guy. Um, pretty emotional. At times, I've thought I'm so emotional that I'm unfit for leadership. I've always longed for thick skin. Like that doesn't phase me, that doesn't bother me, and I quickly and easily move on. That's not been my experience in, in leadership. I'm affected by what people think and feel and say and have had thin skin, and I often can't move past how I feel. My feelings get pretty big, fill up the room, and I can't move past them. I think, uh, anyone? can anyone, come on, I see some guys. Some guys need to f put their hand in the air, you know? So the good news is, you know, I, or I guess what I want to stand here and say is, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy, has saved me and set me on a course. And for 20 years, I've been doing pretty much the same thing. I don't know if it's been rock steady, but I've not quit along the way. And there's a couple things that have served me uh, in this process I, as I reflect upon it. Because my thought, my thought as I was coming here is that there, there, there are many people in this room and there are many situations that we are facing where you are saying, I don't know how I'll keep going. And I know I can't keep going like this. And what's scary about that is you've been saying that for five to ten years. I just can't keep going like this. And I find myself reflecting on what is it that's going to help us endure? What is it that's going to help us not quit in what Seth Godin calls the dip? And we all know what that is. Everything starts strong. You're really excited. And then we face obstacles and opposition and things start to trend in a downward direction. And it's so easy to quit in the dip. I would guess that most people give up on those diets because they spent the week eating right, hop on the scale, and the scale doesn't say anything different. And then you're like, that's it. I'm done. Like, when you, when you do the right thing and then you see the right outcomes, you're like, cool, I'll do it again. But when you're doing the right thing and it seems to be going backwards, you're like, no way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tuck myself in with some ice cream tonight. 
So two things have really served the process of me like learning to endure. The first is that I just expect the dip. I think for the longest time, I, I didn't see it coming. Now it's like I start something and I know that after we're enlightened, it says in Hebrews, we're going to have to endure. And that's how that goes. And so I'm like, I know this is coming. So I don't think something strange is happening when there's a dip along the way. And that's been really helpful. The second thing that served me tremendously in the process of enduring as a church plant is the book of First and Second Timothy. We read from Second Timothy uh, together. We read from chapter 1. First and Second Timothy are written to a young man named Timothy from the Apostle Paul. And um, what Paul says in this, these books in particular have always like really deeply ministered to me. I think I would read these books and I would picture myself being fathered by Paul. I would picture myself in Timothy's uh, shoes. Have you ever done that before? Did you, did you maybe grow up without a dad or grow up with a crummy dad, but your friend had a good dad and you, were, you would picture yourself? What, what life would look like if you were being fathered in this way? Well, this is the kind of longing that I had as a church planter. I felt so lonely and so scared. And I would turn to this book and what Paul exhorts Timothy to do would minister deeply to me. So who's Timothy? Well, we know from Scripture that his mom's uh, Jewish, but has become a follower of Jesus. And we know that his dad's Greek, and he's not mentioned. So he's probably not on the scene. But he becomes Paul's true son in the faith. Paul, a single man without kids, would say of Timothy, that's my boy. That's my beloved son. And there's something so deep in the heart of men in particular that longs to hear that. And I would just, I would live into that. Timothy becomes that because he gets saved on Paul's first missionary journey. Paul travels through Lystra and Derby, and, and then Timothy would actually, on a later missionary journey, join Paul. So he gets converted on Paul's first missionary journey. By the time Paul takes his third missionary journey, he's on board and he's moving along with him. He is in his late teens or early 20s when he gets saved and starts to travel and serve along Paul, alongside of Paul. So he is young, he's sickly, he's timid, he's sensitive. And he is, what you should know, he's not Paul. He's not Paul. That's not his makeup. And so Paul's always trying to coach him up. Where is Timothy? He's in Ephesus looking after a church that was planted a few years earlier by like the greatest church planter to walk the earth. How about following in the shoes of the guy who wrote nearly half of the New Testament. You're like, hey, I'm Timothy, and I'll be taking over for Paul. He wrote much of what we'll be reading today. Why is Timothy there? Well, Timothy, uh, it says it. First Timothy says it. 
Paul says, I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer. What a crummy job description. He's in his early 20s, and Paul's like, hey, listen, I want you to go there. Oh, yeah, great. What do you want me to do? You want me to serve? No, I want you to command certain people to shut their mouths. And he's probably like, what? I don't get paid enough to do this. There's no way. And so Paul's continually exhorting him to actually confront false teaching, not necessarily in a discussion, but actually command these people to stop teaching. First Timothy, you need to know this, all about the church. Second Timothy, it's Paul's most personal letter, and he writes it to Timothy himself. Second Timothy is all about Timothy. And I believe the whole entire letter is one big do not quit in the dip. The Lord has called you to be faithful, and I want you as a faithful man to entrust this gospel to other faithful men. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we're of those who believe and are saved. Do not quit in the dip. So I want to point out a few things to you that I believe ways Things that Paul asks Timothy to remember that serve as a sort of catalyst to not quit. Is that all right? So start with me, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. He starts, To Timothy, my beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve as my ancestors, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith that dwelt first in your grandmother and your mother Eunice, your grandmother Lois and now your mother Eunice, and I'm sure dwells in you as well. The first thing that he's doing right here to talk Timothy into keeping, keeping on as he's saying, remember your ancestors. That's the word that appears over and over again. Remember your ancestors. He's like, the same faith that's in you, Timothy, was in your grandma, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. And now it's in you. And you need to remember, if you're going to keep trucking, keep doing this thing, not just this thing like the church plant, but this thing Christianity. If you're going to come and follow Christ, if you're going to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him, you have to remember, you have to get it through your head that you're a part of something ancient, something huge, something that is bearing fruit all over the world. And now the baton has come to you. This isn't just your race marked out. This is a relay race. And one generation has handed the baton to the next. Paul's a Jewish man, and he's saying, I thank God. I serve God as my ancestors did. Who are Paul's ancestors? Well, certainly he has in mind the faith of Abraham. Certainly he has in mind Abraham, Jacob, Sarah, who was mentioned. Certainly he has in mind Moses. And Paul's saying here, I'm so thankful that they didn't quit in the dip. As they waited, 
As they worked through unanswered prayers and unfulfilled promises, they persevered, and aren't we glad they did? Now, Timothy, the baton has come to you. What are you going to do? Will you quit in the dip? And maybe it's true, he was, Timothy was a convert to Christianity and maybe didn't have this Jewish background, so maybe didn't know the stories, didn't know who King David was. And so Paul zeroes in. You might not know here today, you might not know who Jacob is. You might not know today who Moses is. But he zeroes in with Timothy and essentially says, but you know your mom and you know your mom's faith. And you know your grandma, and you know the faith that's in those women, and I see the same faith inside of you. And this stokes him. This stirs him to continue. Um, when we, uh, Radiant Church adopted Savior's Community Church, we don't like to use the term merge because it's too corporate. We adopted, brought in, folded in kind of an older uh, church. When we folded this church into our church, uh, we moved building into the building that they owned on Center Street. And I remember getting a tour from Mark Condy, who was the longtime pastor of Savior's Community. He gave me a tour of the building. And as he was giving me a tour of the building, the alarm code on virtually everything was 0580. 0580. If you want to break into our church, the code is 0580. But I warn you, there's cameras everywhere. Everywhere there's cameras. So we get, we're, we're going through the tour, and I'm like, why? Why is this the code? Why is 0580 your code? And Mark Condy said, well, that's the month and the year we moved from Fresno to plant a church. So in May of 1980, Mark Condy moved from Fresno to plant a church with a small team of people. And so that's why it's the code. Mark Condy is the longest standing pastor in Visalia. He's got now 44 years of serving as a pastor in Visalia through lots of peaks and valleys. Lots of dips. And I know that I personally am so thankful that he didn't quit in the dip. His church changed my family's life. I attended a beach camp as a high schooler, and we started going to this church after my dad went to a Promise Keepers event. We started attending this church, and it changed everything for me. And you better believe, you better believe there were days where Mark Condy woke up and thought, why? I don't get paid enough. This isn't working. Why am I pouring my guts, my very heart and soul into sermons that put people to sleep? What difference does it make if I, what difference does it make if I continue on? Well, the difference was huge in my life. I'm standing where I stand now. We're doing what we're doing now because Mark Condy did not quit in the dip. And what I love is the reminder, because every time, every time I would stay late to finish up a sermon that put people to sleep, I would have to arm the building. Zero, five, eight, zero. And it was a huge reminder. The batons come to you. What are you going to do? Are you going to quit in the dip?
Every time I had to get there early and disarm it, 0580. You're up, Timothy. It's your turn, bud. I serve God as my ancestors did. And we're so thankful those ancestors didn't quit in the dip, but they endured, they persevered, they pressed on by faith. I'm so thankful my youth pastor, his name was Tim Ainley. And uh, Tim Ainley lost his first wife while on a mission trip. So he took a group of kids, like Devin Stout's about to take a group of kids to El Salvador. While on the mission field, he gets a call that his four young kids walked in on their mom, who was in the seat where she normally did her morning devotions, collapsed. And so the kids, who are, I think, around or at 10, around that age, are left trying to sort out what to do with mom. He rushes back, and his wife dies about a week uh, later. And I am forever eternally grateful that that man didn't quit in the dip. None of us would have blamed him. He continued to lead mission trips, and he continued to open his home. That's where I would go for youth group 10 years after he lost his wife. None of us would have blamed him if he would have said, hey, I don't like to go on mission trips anymore, okay? I had a bad experience. Oh, come on, Tim, what was your bad experience? Did you get sick? No, my wife died while I was on a trip. I don't want to go. Hey, we'd be like, oh, by all means, don't go. Hey, I don't really want to open my home. I've now got a blended family and things aren't easy at home. We would have been like, oh, yeah, no problem. But that's not what Tim did. He continued to lead teams, continued to pour his life into youth. And I'm so glad that he didn't quit in the dip. And I tell these stories because I know that you, you have people in your life that didn't quit in the dip. And they're examples to you of perseverance and endurance. And I would like you just to turn to someone that you're sitting with and say, this is who comes to mind for me. I know that in a situation like this, and this is also a testimony to the power of endurance, many of you might be thinking of people who didn't persevere and did quit in the dip and the devastation that brought in your life. And that also should motivate you that what you do and that you faithfully do it and that you endure in it makes a difference in people's lives. And when you quickly say, I'm done, well, there's a lot that comes with that. It's not the easy road. Let's just put it that way. Would you turn to someone you're sitting next to and just share? If no one's coming to mind, that's fine. Don't make something up. But if there's someone who inspires endurance for you, would you share that with somebody?
If Paul wanted to encourage you, who would he bring up? He brings up Timothy's grandma and his mom, but who would he he bring up? Who would he say, I see the same faith in you that I saw in who? It's, 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 it's incredibly stirring and motivating uh, to me. Secondly, Paul says to Timothy, remember, God's given you everything you need to succeed in your calling. And that is good news because often we don't feel adequate for the task, do we? Anybody here feel adequate for the task of just like life in general? Like it just... It's tough. Life is tough. Parenting is tough. Being a kid is tough. And we often don't feel like we have what it takes and what we need, what we want from our fathers is for them to come alongside of us and say, you've got what it takes. You're going to make it. And this is what Paul is doing to Timothy. You have everything you need for a life of godliness. You can do this, man. He's like, well, I don't know, man. My dad was Greek and he wasn't really around. You have everything you need to pull this off. Come on, man. He says in 2 Timothy 1.6, For this reason, I'm reminding you, Timothy, you fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Apparently, Timothy had a group of people at some point lay hands on him and pray for him. And when that happened, spiritual gifts were imparted to him. There's been some study of the gifts, right, over the last month. Well, through the laying on of Paul's hands, spiritual gifts are activated and called out and called forth in prayer. And he's saying, you remember what was called out. You remember what was called forth. Remember, I'm scared that those gifts are dying and dwindling. And if they do, Timothy, you're not going to make it. You operate in those gifts and you will endure because God's graced us in these gifts. Burnout in most of our lives doesn't have necessarily to do with doing too many things or too much. It has to do with doing too much of the wrong thing the thing that we're not gifted to do, the thing that we're not called to do. And he's saying, remember the gifts that God's given you and operate out of those gifts in order to endure. Again, this is not a teaching on gifts and you just did this together. But Ephesians 4 lists the gifts given by the Son. Romans 12 lists the the gifts given by the Father. 1 Corinthians 12 lists the gifts given by the Spirit. And you can read those. But Paul's saying a gift's been given to you and don't neglect that gift. Get it going in order to endure. Earlier in 1 Timothy, we read Paul say this, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you would wage the good warfare. So what's he doing with these prayer times and with these promises and with these prophecies? He's waging war with them. Remember, God, you called me to this. Remember, this is not my idea. This is your idea. And he's fighting his way forward through the dip, remembering the promises and the prophecies that have been made. It appears that Timothy 
had people pray over him and say things like this. I believe God's calling you to this. It appears that people had people say boldly things like, Timothy, you're going to do this. I have a sense, Timothy, that God's going to use your life to do this. And these words were weighty. Have you ever received anything like this? This is why it's important that we not neglect the gift of prophecy is because these prophetic words, rather than make you emotional, get you through the dips that are really unemotional. And you remember, oh Lord, you've called me to do this and you've, you press on. Sam Storm says that prophecy is the speaking forth in human words, something that the Holy Spirit has sovereignly and spontaneously revealed to a believer. Prophecy, then, is not based on a human insight, intuition, or illumination. Prophecy is a human report of a divine revelation. Prophecy must be tested, and we obviously, Noel just went through this, we hold this stuff up against God's written word, right? So Timothy is living with these, and Paul's saying, when you feel tempted to quit in the dip, call these things to mind. And I think you do this. And you're like, maybe, I bet, even if you're here and you're not a Christian, you do this. We call these things to mind. For some of you, you've always wanted to be a mother. From, for as long as you can remember, you dreamt of being a mom. And now you're a mom, and it's not a dream, is it? It's really difficult. And it stokes the fire to be like, no, Lord, you called me to this. I don't feel adequate to the task, but you've invited me into this. Some of you, you, man, some of you have, are called to teach, like, by God. And it doesn't feel like you're doing much teaching Monday through Friday. And you need to remember, like, you've been invited by God into this. And you not you might not have prophetic words over your life, but there's a deep knowing in you that this is what God has called you to do. And you use that to wage war. There's a number of other points that I wanted to make, and maybe I can send on notes. Uh, but I, I just want to stop here. It's really important that you know and have a sense of God's unique call on your life because it empowers our common everyday faithfulness. We don't get to opt out because we're the exception. We get to endure and we use these prophetic words to do so. Here's another great 19-year-old Trav story. Uh, I went to church uh, with my parents. We had a guest speaker that day, and this was at Savior's Community Church, the church that would later join Radiant. But I'm a 19-year-old. We meet at the CVC gym, and in the CVC gym, there's a big like um, emblem in the center that has a cavalier, and it says Central Valley. So we have this guest speaker, and he's like you know, kind of like me, but he's from LA. And it's like, whoa, what's this guy from LA doing in Visalia? You know, this guy, he grabs the mic and he tells the whole church to stand. And I'm thinking like, whoa, what's, this is interesting. You know, I want the whole church to gather right here on this emblem. And so now he's asked the whole church to get out of their seats and gather, you know, and I'm thinking this is awesome, but that's what you would think as you were 19. If I was leading the church, I'd be like, what the heck is this guy doing? You know, 
So we're gathered, and he starts prophesying over this church. This is the unique assignment over this church. God's called you to be a sending church, and you will plant out from here, right? And I'm like, I don't know what any of that stuff means. I'm 19, right? Then he starts speaking over Mark Condy, who's our pastor. He start, he 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 prays over Tim Ainley and says, "There's you know there's this fire," and he's just he's just spot on. How many have ever had someone pray for you and you're like, "Are you reading my journal? Like, how do you know this? And why are you praying right into the situation that I'm in?" Well, this is what's going on, and he's blessing Tim and he's praying for Mark, and then he goes, "Travis." And I was like, what? Because I've never met the guy before in my life. Apparently, Tim had spoken with him. A youth pastor had spoken with him about this guy. This guy's gathering sometimes close to 100 guys in a backyard under a tent. He's 19 years old kind of thing. All right? So he's, he's, he screams, Travis. And I'm like, what the heck? This is the craziest day of church I've ever been a part of. And he says, you're going to you're going to be a father. You're going to father a rootless generation. You're going to give them roots. They will become shoots and they will bear fruit is what he says over my life. Again, I'm not changing my underwear very often at this point. Do I feel like a father in the church? I'm like, no, I feel like I'm 19 and I feel like this is the craziest day of church ever. Then he says this, he says, this church, we're meeting at CVC. Everyone know where CVC is in Visalia? He says, this church will launch its youth right into the heart of this city. I had this moment. Uh, well, yeah, this would be two weeks ago. I'm reminded of this prophecy as I sit and lead our gap year, which is a group of 25 19-year-olds who don't change their underwear very often. And I'm there. And I'm not Timothy anymore. I'm Paul. Hoping to give them roots. They're becoming shoots. They're bearing fruit. I'm doing that on Main Street. That is where we gather. And I am gathered with, the group that I lead with, is the youth group that I was with in that CVC gym. My wife's name was Tiffany Artis. Eric and Lori Riley were there with us. It was like I was reading this going, what the heck? And along the way, there's been many moments where I didn't feel adequate to the task and desperately wanted to quit in the dip. And these are the things that inspire endurance. There's more. You should read these books. If you're not, if I haven't, are you in? Like these books are amazing. You should get into First and Second Timothy. Would you stand with me? The passage, there's a, a, a number of other things, but when you get to the end of the passage that we read, ultimately, what Paul is saying to Timothy is not just, hey, you know, remember the faith that was in your grandma. Wasn't she a sweet lady? And then he isn't saying, like, remember the prophecies. He ends by saying this, remember Jesus Christ. And thank God he didn't quit in the dip. 
Thank God he endured. Remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Remember that he's the offspring of David. What's he doing there? This guy's been, the idea of Jesus Christ is not a new and novel one. This guy's been in the works for a long time. This is God's promised, prophesied Messiah. I'm suffering. I'm bound with chains, Paul says, but the word of God is not bound. Good news if you're here and you're in a dip. The word of God is, is not. It's bearing fruit all over the world. It's ancient, it's huge, and it cannot be stopped even if you can. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. This, is, this saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. We're going to conclude our time by taking communion and remembering not our endurance or the endurance of Tim Ainley or Grace and Peepgrass. We're going to remember the endurance of Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and did not quit. And as we take the bread, we remember his body broken. As we take the cup, we remember his blood and we find strength to go again another day in what feels like unanswered prayer. Because we are not of those who shrink back. That's not how we got here. We are of those who believe and are saved. That's who we are. Hey, hey, it's Pastor Noel again. Just wanted to say thanks so much for joining us here at the Exeter Valley Church Podcast. And don't be afraid to join us in person on a Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. at the Exeter Memorial Building.